Welcome, everyone, to the AI and Business Podcast. I'm Matthew DeMello, Senior Editor here at Emerge Technology Research. Today's guest is Iswaran Krishnamurthy, Vice President and Chief Information Officer of Building Solutions for North American and Global Field Operations at Johnson Controls. Johnson Controls is a major producer of fire HVAC and safety infrastructure for buildings. Iswaran, or EK as he prefers to be called, joins us on today's podcast to discuss the practicality of putting AI in the hands of field technicians across heavy industry and B2B customer-facing workflows. Together with yours truly, EK brings experienced perspective to these challenges, outlining precisely where leaders will need to level up data infrastructure at their organizations to leverage a future of co-pilot-empowered technicians helping customers and machines in the field. Today's episode is sponsored by Aquant, and without further ado, here's our conversation. EK, thanks so much for being with us on the program this week. Thank you, Matthew. Much appreciated for uh, allowing me to have a few conversations with you. Absolutely. And, you know, where we're taking a look at in this series for field service leaders, it's a very peculiar set of workflows, especially in comparison just to other areas of B2B, other areas of customer experiences, trying to elevate at least those workflows build customer journeys. A lot of the same principles apply, but it's not really the same book of physics that we're kind of working with in terms of of how the dynamics play out and maybe what the tools will need uh, for the future. Just to get a better idea of that, though, and we're going very high level with this because I think it's worth it to really, really take the 50-mile high view here. But what do you see as the biggest challenges that field service leaders are facing right now, just given the current state of AI adoption in late 2020? So I would say this, I would shift this into broader two categories. One is like, it's all about data at the end of the day, right? Like, And then even within the data, what sort of data sets that we really need in order for the field service organization to be successful? How do we sort of cleanse the data, create the data, store the data in, the, in a subset of database centrally? So that's one challenge because variety of field services systems and processes have its own data sets and having a consistent data is pretty critical for you to do any gen gen ai type of model on top of that so that's one aspect of the work and two second aspect of the challenge that we face is like once we have the data how do you sort of provide the data to all of those field service technicians out there going and meeting customers and how do we ensure those interactions that the field service technicians are having with the customers are a lot more richer, right? It helps them to serve better. It helps them to do first fix in a very first time, like fixing the first time, and also helps them to upsell service aspect of it while they are meeting the customers every day. Right, right. And at that point, I wonder if it's any different in terms of how field service leaders really look at it. Does it end up being a little bit more you know, about the employee experience or the technician experience, maybe more than most other areas where we, where we see customer experiences, of course, not making too direct comparisons to elsewhere where we see call centers. But I'm wondering if it's a little bit more, maybe more about the employee, especially because they're that sole arbiter taking in data out there in the field that we know like the organization can depend on. Yeah, there are some touch points to call centers, contact centers also, because they do take customer calls. 
but it's more about like from the field standpoint, they are there at the customer side, like even in our own houses, people do come for washing machine or dryer repairs, right? Like it's how do we sort of make that particular discussions a lot more contactual and the field service technician would have to know about the customer, about the install base so that he or she can talk a lot more intelligently to that customer and create richer experiences, both for that customer and for himself as an employee while he's doing the job. Absolutely. Now, for a lot of organizations, especially in the logistics, the manufacturing space, where, you know, they're going to be making a lot of these machines, even just to talk to a lot of our audience that comes from from across sectors, you know, they're looking at this area. There's a certain sense of augmented reality, I think, in computer vision, just in the use cases that are already out there for predictive maintenance, you know, making sure that, you know, deliveries are made on time that you don't have, you know, downtime with certain systems. We we know that, you know, those capabilities are out there in the field. I'm also wondering, you know, just in terms of what the technicians need to know and that remembering again that they are kind of those sole arbiters of data being, you know, taking in. Where do we stand just in terms of field services, the latest use cases, maybe the ones that aren't building up so much on the shoulders of where else we see in manufacturing, like I described before in predictive maintenance. And to what extent are we kind of connecting both the real world and the virtual world in terms of making the problems that technicians are seeing in the real world apparent in the world of data? Does that make sense? Yeah, I would say that in terms of augmented or virtual reality, if you want to look at it that way, there is sure. a biggest benefit for technicians on uh, employee training, right? Like it's a massive amount of uh, help that we can provide to them on quickly getting them up to up to speed on various different machines and equipments. They go and do service on a regular basis, so they could train more in a safest way using the virtual trainings, right? Whether it's an augmented training, yeah. or not, that's that's a massive improvement. And again, you might have heard this concept called digital twin, right? Like, and, and that plays sure. a role on anything. Like if it's a HVAC machine or something like that, you create a digital twin of the HVAC machine and everything that we do in the real world get updated to the your digital twin world too. So you go and look at that particular equipment Absolutely. digitally, you see everything. And so it, it's about using the digital twin or digital virtual machine for training and other things for the employees. But at the same time, it is mirroring what is really happening to that mission in the digital, in the real world. Absolutely. And crossing that barrier can be so subtle and so pedestrian and not be this, you know, futuristic sounding uh, use case like virtual reality, people using headsets to, to go visit teams. We are on that track and this is definitely the front door, but the front door is a lot less sexy than that. If I can, if I can kind of really nail down in where in my last question, I was trying to focus the real practical use case, but let's, let's go even less sexy in terms of AI, just in terms of, you know, use cases that are right here at the doorstep. How are we seeing these data tools help heavy industry leaders help folks in the last mile, how are they using data to solve these problems and ensure standard processes? Thanks, Matthew. Great question. I'll give you two examples. Like one is, for example, what we call as tech advisor, like like now you have Gen AI. So if you have thousands and thousands of service tickets that got created 
long time back through those missions. And we do have data on what exactly happened to those tickets on the machines. And then Genea can really give an advice to the technician, depending on the problem set by the customer, okay, this is what the solution could be. Like even before he goes to the site, he or she will be able to clearly understand, okay, this is what the resolution could be. So they get some idea about what they're going to see and how they're going to resolve ahead of the time. Pretty simple in few clicks, we'll be able to do that using Genea at this time. Then the other big aspect of using data is more about like, just we go and we give our automobiles to our car workshops on, hey, I'm doing a 10,000 mile, I'm doing a 15,000 mile service. Equipment business is also something similar. No matter what you sell and what you serve, these has got a lifespan. When you look at the product lifespan standpoint, okay, at three years, what do you have to do? At six years, what do you have to do? At seven years, what do you have to do? And then if once you have the rule engines established, it's much easier for the Gen AI to really give guidance to that technician while he's at the shop saying that, okay, at the customer side saying that, hey, you're for a similar type of equipment, which is three years old, historically, we have done repairs A, B, and C for this particular customer. We have not done those. So while you're there, upsell A, B, and C. That's something yeah. we don't do today. Like we leave it to the technician's experience, but using the data and Gen AI capabilities, it's becoming more real. Yeah. It's hard to talk about these technologies outside of this model, but I get the overwhelming impression that you're envisioning some sort of co-pilot for the technicians. Am I wrong in that assessment? Should I be no, thinking exactly. more outside the box? Yeah, yeah, that's basically it. Is yeah. that basically the vehicle for the most practical set of use cases? Or what does that vision sort of miss in terms of how you put this together, the data that you need to be taking from the whole organization and bridging that gap that we were talking about between data and the real world that is a lot less sexy than just, you know, putting on an Oculus Rift and doing your job right. Thanks, man. It's, it's more about bringing all these things together in a way that the technician can understand and take action then and there using the tools that they use for their everyday work. That's the critical piece of, of the puzzle. Because if you go and ask the technician to do 15 different tools while he's at the customer side, he or she is not interested in doing it. And then most of the time, they they have everything needs to work in their own mobile application, right? How do you sort of collect all this data with various, whether it's generate data from GenAI or data from traditional reporting, but then give it in a way that that technician can easily consume. So there's a lot of UX plays into this role. It's not about having the data. It's also about providing that visibility to the technician in a way he or she can consume that. Right, right. Making them sort of the nexus of the transparency, you know, making sure that they understand all black box problems and that everything is really geared towards them and built around them in terms of, of the subject matter and, and their expertise in it. Even want to take a step back. You were describing before kind of upsell opportunities. I'm wondering, you know, where are they coming from in terms of the organization? I know you were even talking about, you know, laying it out on a timeline, you know, when this machine will need to be serviced in seven years. What's that going to be like in terms of the internal organization being able to lay that track and really even think ahead in terms of uh, how predictive even their sales are going to be based on what offers they can put out into the future and think creatively. Yeah, I would say, Matthew, great question again. I would say like the any organization need to have 
some amount of, they have to spend some dedicated time and people on analyzing all this data. Like it doesn't matter, like the organization can invest pretty deeply into new AI technologies or data lake technologies. Many things are out there, but at the end of the day, it's about how the organization is leveraging those technologies for their own use cases, whether it is selling more, serving more, doesn't matter. So I think they need to be really crisper and really intentional on how are they going to make use of those technology to drive the business outcomes. And they need to invest in people too. Like it, it's IT is everywhere. It's not just in technology teams. It's also in the business teams nowadays. Absolutely. Also in considering how, you know, you definitely see co-pilots as, as a principal vehicle for a lot of these use cases and really empowering the technician with a lot of personalized technology. I'm wondering just in terms of advice you might o- offer you know, peers in the industry, elsewhere, uh, even across sectors, just in terms of thinking about how to, you know, personalize that technology. Where do they start? And maybe even where are they getting that executive buy-in to really leverage a technology that's so focused on, you know, one set of the member teams and really empowering them to both take in data and also act on, on business insights right there and in the field? Yeah, my two cents, Matt, like I would uh, encourage my peers to start the install base. So that becomes very, very key for any organization, particularly in the service industry. So if you don't have a good install base data, like we won't be able to do any of the thing what we have discussed right now. So that is foundational. Start from the foundational aspect of it, but also link that up to your growth programs, your either increase in margins or increase in productivity or increase in sales through service. Because historically, sales is all done by sellers and service is all left to really focus on go get the service done and come back. But I can tell you like you and me and the rest of the people are having a lot more confidence and whoever is coming into our home for servicing the machine, if he or she says, okay, this might be a good opportunity for you to add this or upgrade this. Right. We will listen to it and do it that instantly rather than somebody sending us an email or send, calling us over phone, right? How do we leverage that is becoming more and more critical in the service industry. Absolutely. And when we consider the other use cases in neighboring sectors around this, we we know that cynically we might look at this and say, well, this this is an ample situation for kind of the mechanics dilemma, right? Only you know what the problem is, so let me upsell you on the solution. But if we're really tracking the customer experience in every possible way and after and the results, and we know that upsell actually helped them, cool. then we have a lot more reliable data, not just on, hey, how do we get a bunch of product out the door at a certain price, but what's the long-term value we're going to be able to use to drive that product and really make a difference in the customer's lives and really get some meaningful signals back that this really helped them and they're on to a deeper relationship that's going to be closer to the bottom line. Just want to see if you're picking up what what I'm putting down there just in terms of the analytics and what this deals with a much longer term approach. Yeah, it's it's all about like looking at the entire product life cycle, right? Right, like it and, and it evolves. It starts from manufacturing, then it goes into shipping to that to the customer, then it's installing, retrofitting, right? Like then upgrading, then reworking, and then the product lifecycle ends. And then you start off restarted again. Like how do we consistently find opportunities throughout the product lifecycle for us to get our entitlement? 
be whatever be the company is like how can we make the revenue that we are entitled to make so if you're not looking at the product life cycle it could be that you're selling a product and somebody else is having the agreement to sell right someone else two years later go and, and do those repairs etc so how do we continuously consistently get those entitlement going and then nowadays there's also connected equipments right every equipment whether you have washing machine or dryer or even tvs they are all connected now how are you going to use that connectivity to drive further revenue generation for your organization and what should we be doing how do we understand the data that is coming in from through the connected systems how do we eliminate the noise and really look at those anomalies and understand how can we make additional revenue through those data sets too Absolutely. This would be the point in the podcast where we'd have to start a new podcast talking all about moving from that place where we're just drinking in data, as you were kind of talking about at the beginning of your answers. And then we move on to a place of saying, well, we're collecting all this data. That's great. What's valuable about it? And do we need to be drinking in all of this? And those are distinct parts of the life cycle, of course. So we'll have to have you back to talk about that part. But thank you so much, Iswaran. We really enjoyed having you on the show this week. Thank you, man. And before we wrap up today's episode, I think it's worth some cursory mention, at least at the end of the show, if only to explain what I had meant by the question that I had asked Iswaran, or EK as he prefers to be called, just about where we're going to see the limbic area of our, especially in a, in a surveillance respect, of observing folks, particularly subject matter experts operating in workflows and thinking deeply about that space where what they do in the physical world translates to the world of data. And in a very sexy way, this can be VR or augmented reality, or in any way, the gamification of the physical world as we know it. In a lot less sexy way, it could just be keeping track of workflow-related activities through a spreadsheet. It can really be that simple. And like so much of artificial intelligence, it's a slippery slope. And at the same time, the gateway to augmented reality, the gateway to virtual reality, helping to make workflows in the respect of field services more efficient in that respect, in taking seriously those use cases, the front door often looks like a spreadsheet keeping track of workflow related activities that dry that simple so when you keep in mind that front door and what the end game might look like even for the stark contrast of how the technology might appear to the outside it's important to look at these problems from a data perspective and data often helps us take away a little of that veneer that technology puts on so many of these workflows, making them seem a lot more complicated than they really are. On behalf of our CEO and head of research, Daniel Fagella, as well as the entire team here at Emerge, thanks so much for joining us today, and we'll catch you next time on the AI and Business Podcast. <laughs>